Hello and welcome to the Bilderbard Workshop. My name is Stephen. And my name is Simon. We're not experts, but we're here to take you through building a character in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. We have a list of rules that we work from when building a character which are as follows. We'll be randomly rolling a race, class and subclass using D&D Beyond's randomizer feature and seeing what we come up with separately. The goal is not necessarily to build the most efficient character, but to build an interesting one. It has to be a level 5 character, with a minimum of 3 levels in the class we've been assigned. We use standard array stats so that anyone can replicate these builds, and the standard racial bonuses. Not because we agree with them, but because it's part of the challenge. We'll be using official D&D branded Wizards of the Coast books only, excluding books written for specific worlds like Rick and Morty, Critical Role, and Acquisitions Incorporated. Feats will be allowed instead of ASIs, as will optional class features from Tasha's. To reflect that they're level 5, characters will have their class and background starting equipment, 100 gold to spend on gear, and one uncommon or lower magic item. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. Move yourself. Ow! Right, come back up. There you are. Oh, get off my face. Um, How did you... (laughs) How did you think? How did you feel about this one? Like, were you excited or? I felt like it was a bard. So you know, it's a bard. You build a bard, you get a bard. Going into it, I felt like that. But yeah. uh, having done it, it was interesting. Okay, so this week we're covering a swift stride shifter, which I'm saying deliberately enunciated uh-huh. because otherwise I, I'm probably going to say a shit swift. Chitter or something. <laughs> she just did. And they were a College of Creation bard. That's the one. So, this gave me an immediate flash of inspiration, but I kind of want to reveal that as we go along. Okay. So, did you have any immediate, like, I know exactly what I'm doing with this, or was this one a bit more a bit more complex? Absolutely not, because in the past, I've always been a little bit bard racist, so I've, been, I've kind of viewed them as not... Not as good as a sorcerer, not as good as a cleric, not as good as a wizard. But having, yeah, I didn't really go into it with an idea of this is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Almost in a complete opposite to last week, I kind of approached it more in a mechanical sense. So I went straight to five levels, thought I don't feel like I get anything amazing between four and five. So then I tried sticking two levels of fighter on it. I tried going two-handed for a while before I realised, like, I don't need to do that. I can... Yeah, so I ended up going in a a completely different direction. And as I said to you before, about three o'clock in the morning last night, the entire build just completely changed. Okay, because the only thing I've changed about my build since we rolled it on this sofa a week ago... Yeah. Is that I realised as I was playing Skyrim this morning and I picked up a magic item. I went, oh yeah, I need to do that for my character. That is literally all I've done. I did this in like five minutes Yeah, since I got home. So I'm going to introduce my character. I want you to guess who it is. Parodying is not the right word, but who it is paying homage to. Grayler Swift stride. Okay. Because they're a bard. Yeah. I'm going I'm, I'm <laughs> to just, just shake it off for now, yeah. Okay, that's bad. I, I knew this was trouble when I walked in. So, I've, oh. I've gone full five levels of bard. I didn't think about anything else. Yeah. Okay, now my reasoning for this being a... I, I don't want to say parody, because I, I like Taylor Swift enough. Mm. I'm aware that as a public figure, she has received a lot of flack. So, I respect her as both a musician and a person. So anything I say jokingly is not meant to mock 
the person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I sort of had fun with the concept of Taylor Swift. Yeah. Because now that she's a famous woman, she's no longer a person error, right? She's a concept (laughs) and sarcasm. So, as a Swift stride shifter, Taylor Swift has always looked very cat-like to me. She has a very cat-like face. I see that. Right? Again, not an insult. Sophie Ellis-Bexter also has a very cat-like face. And I was about to incriminate myself in regards to Sophie Ellis-Bexter. This is getting worse by the second. Regardless, I realised that Taylor Swift kind of got that cat-like look. Yeah. And I thought, well, it's a bard. It's cat-like. She was in Cats as well, which was cat-like, not actual cats. And terrifying. So, because it's a shifter, I believe you get to put a shifter. Oh, this is the new shifter. Old shifter. Because we were doing it with old shifter. This was before Morden Kanan's Multiverse of Madness featuring Elizabeth Olsen came out. That is something important to note. Between us rolling this character and recording this, uh, Morden Kanan's multiverse bullshit mm-hmm. has come out, and that's changed Swift Stride <laughs> Shifter, hasn't it? Not by it's much. Added, added bits to it. So. Not by much. I mean, the sorry, I'm looking at the legacy one. The current one is you can put the points wherever you want. I think if we roll another Shifter, I think we should still continue with the legacy traits. Yeah. Just because it's interesting as part of the build, not because we think racially motivated in any way, shape or form. That said, a swift st- a swift stride shifter... That's going to be trouble. <laughs> when I walk in. When you shift, as a bonus action, your walking speed increases by 10 feet, and you can move 10 feet as a reaction when a creature ends its turn within 5 feet of you. Yeah. This movement doesn't provoke opportunity attacks. So I kind of felt that I didn't need to take Warcaster at any point. Mm. Because at any point you can go, no, I've had enough of this, and just jam out the way. Okay. So I did that. I, I do want to apologise to anyone who's listened and was really looking forward to me having a character called Garnad. <laughs> but the pun came into my head and I had to roll with it. So, like, level one, two, and three, you're just waiting to get to your subclass. Yeah. Yeah. So levels one, two, and three... I'm just taking normal bard. There's nothing interesting there. Uh, taking some sort of normal spells. But the spells I picked deliberately are spells that fit into the theme of Taylor Swift. See, I themed my spells as well. Uh, so I took, for cantrips, I took message. Okay. Match. Uh, prestidigitation. Just because that seemed like, you know, that's kind of a utility cantrip. There's got to be some utility in there. Well, I was I was going to mention there's a guy on YouTube, D&D Shorts, who he did a, a fantastic video, which is rules as written, not all of them work, but a uh, hundred uses for hundred creative uses for prestidigitation. And he's really good. It's really, really good. Some of the stuff he comes up with, there's some of them where the limitation that you pointed out where it only lasts for an hour, some of the uses he comes up with don't really work because a lot of people don't spot that limit. I didn't spot that limitation no. until you pointed it out. I, I mean, I asked. I, I must have read, that must have been the one time I read prestidigitation and that was the one bit that stuck in. Yeah. So I chose Vicious Mockery as well as a cantrip because when Taylor Swift is uh, slamming people, she does a bloody good job of it. First level spells, I've got Animal Friendship, Comprehend mm-hmm. Languages, Healing Word, obviously, and Silvery Barbs, because that had to be done. I know how much you hate it, so I was going to apologise for having taken Silvery Barbs. It had <clears throat> to be done for this character. I think so, yeah. And then second level spells, I took eight, okay? There is a theme, because I also took at level four, the Inspiring Leader feat. Okay. Which means, if I go to Features and Traits on D&T Beyond not sponsored you can spend 10 minutes inspiring your companions choose up to six allies including yourself that can see or hear you and can understand you within 30 feet 
each creature gains eight temporary HP once per short rest, which I presume is like your level plus uh, proficiency bonus at level five. Because Taylor Swift often does a lot of speeches. Mm -hmm. So she's doing her speech and she's got aid. So that then gives people 13 temporary hit points. That's not Well, sorry. Five extra hit points and then eight temporary hit points on top of that at level five. Because we've seen how aid can be really useful. How often can you use the inspiring leader thing? It's it's really once per short rest. Oh, okay. Oh, and at second level, I also took the spell Pyrotechnics, which I know is not a great spell. I read it and I wasn't sure about it, so I'd be interested to hear why you went for it. Taylor Swift stage show. I, I was also going to have Disguise Self on there because she is the master of the uh, the quick change. But yeah, what was your theme then? Uh, Kevin Costner and Waterworld. Oh, it started off as I was just working through and doing things. It became more apparent that what I wanted was a pirate. Okay. And when, I, when I saw the pirate background, that kind of sealed the deal. You've already mentioned your magic item. Yeah. I went with the Mariner studded leather. Because I took studded leather as part of my item. I, I still have like four, 30 gold left, I think, which mm. would I would spend on a healing potion. This is kind of what ties a number of things in the build together. Mm -hmm. While wearing this armor, you have a swimming speed equal to your walking speed. Okay. So it means that shifting thing that you do, where you get an extra 10 foot walking speed, you get an extra 10 foot swimming, swimming speed. speed. Okay. Well because nice. of the way it's worded. Right, right, right. It's got the extra thing. In addition, whenever you start your turn underwater with zero hit points, the armor causes you to rise 60 feet towards this. I mean, that that's kind of secondary. It's mostly it's a the fact feature, that it? Yeah. it gives you a swimming speed. So as a pirate, it's someone who has discovered that their shifting ability is essentially they can get gills for a little bit you know like they, they, well, like not it. necessarily gills because then that would give them water breathing no so no I, I know it, what you mean they've got you know webbed fingers and feet so they can swim They're from um, Norfolk don't leave that in leave that in so, that's what they say in Norfolk <laughs> she's only my cousin and my sister as you said vicious mockery and prestidigitation if I spells. change it to Alabama can it go in no okay as you said before, you've got Vicious Mockery and prestidigita prestidigitation. Well done. That's going to fuck me up as well as Swift Stride Shifter. You don't seem to have a problem with it. I took Friends because okay. I actually read it and I realised it works differently. Because all this whole time I'd been assuming that it was like a one minute charm person. Mm -hmm. But charm person, they save on wisdom. With this, you cast it on yourself mm -hmm. and you have advantage on all charisma checks directed at one creature of your choice. Now, this ties into the fact that I took Bard for Rogue One. So essentially, I can walk up to a guard, befriend them and go, oh, look at that sunset, get them to turn around, shank. Right, okay. Yeah. You've so, got like a weird infiltrator thing with this. Ki kind of, yeah. Like, I'd always been looked at it in terms of social characters where you're going to have to talk to that person after using friends on them. Yeah. Whereas with this is very much a situation where you use it to... Befriend somebody, distract them, and then the rest of your group can get past them, or you, you can, can shank them. Yeah, you can then just <laughs> shank them, or put a bag over the head, or whatever you choose to do. All no, right, Simon. No, you you went from shank them, which admittedly we're talking about murder. That's yeah. pretty dire. But in in a game, in a role playing game, you know, death is one thing. Or put a bag over their head, like a snuff film. Yeah, something a bit much. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Carry yeah. on. Apart from that, the spells are kind of... I saw this person as hanging around outside of the general melee, fucking up combat for the enemy. Mm -hmm. 
So you've got things like obviously you've got burn command healing word silvery barb. So that's they're all fuck up the balance the flow of combat. Uh, second level I've got enthrall, which just seemed like a very very bard spell. Mirror image which is obviously if they're hanging around outside of combat and they don't want to get hit. Outside of your armor class, that's another sort of roll a d20 and they might just flat out not hit you, whatever mm. their to hit bonus is. And Phantasmal Force, just because that seems like another thing that could really affect the balance of combat. No, no, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, I've got that. If I go through the class, the features, mm -hmm. can play the horn, the drum and the lute because they all sounded quite piratey. Yeah, I chose for that the lute, the viol, <coughs> and the flute because mm. they were all country instruments. Yeah. I really le leaned into this. I went with proficiency in athletics and then boosted that with expertise. Jeez, right. Because. They're a pirate. Well, for flair reasons, they've got swift stride shifter. So right. they're good at running. They're not physically strong as in lifting, but no. generally when you try to run after something, your DM is going to say, make an athletics check. Absolutely. And that's, to me, that's inconsistent with the fluff. If they try to chase after somebody and then are just puffing and panting and wheezing after like a few, you, you, you know, don't want like me trying yeah. to run after someone, <laughs> you know, they have to actually be able to run after people. So that's kind of filling in for that in the sense that they have endurance and they can run. Mm. They can run long mm. distances or they can swim long distances as well in terms of outside of combat making the athletics roles. But they're not physically strong as in putting heft behind a, a sword strike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went for level five bard specifically to get bardic inspiration resets on a short rest, not a long rest. Mm. So it's more likely that I'm going to be the power player than you for the most part. Yeah. But that is a key cutoff point for a bard. Five levels of bard to get bardic inspiration reset on a short rest. Because then you mix that with warlock and you're cooking with gas. Yeah. One thing from the features and traits that I really wanted to go into just since we've got the College of Creation. Did you have any standout ideas for performance of creation? Once a long rest, you can create an item of your choice in an unoccupied space within 10 foot. Maximum value of the item is 80 gold pieces and it lasts for three hours. See, I've got it as 100 gold pieces. You have because so you level, chose five. Because yeah. I've got level five levels of that. And mine lasts for three hours, as yours lasts for two. Three because three. we're at level five and proficiency bonus change. Yeah, three, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. Basically, that is my get out of jail free card when my DM goes, looks up a spell and says, um, do you have the components for... No, I have to find a spell that has like a weird component. Mm. Uh, does Animal Friendship have a weird component? I chose Animal Friendship because obviously... Uh, yeah, a morsel of food for Animal Friendship, for example. If I don't okay. have food on me, then, uh, then I can use that. Because some of them do have, oh, you need to okay. spend a thing of this money. So I, I went for... That's what that's for, I should I mean, say. The other thing that's good about that is since you've got 100 GP, at level 5 you're going to be in parties with clerics who've got Revivify, which means you can just be like, bang, there's your diamond. It's 300 GP for Revivify. Which is the cheapest one? Revivify. There isn't one lower than oh, that. Oh, okay. There might be 100 gold pieces of... Uh, Maybe worth of no, I'm thinking of... Um, is it one of the rest I'm, I'm thinking of Chromatic Orb. That's, that's, 100, a that's a 100 GP diamond. But the thing is, is that if you're captured and they're like, okay, I don't have any of my components, I haven't got a component pouch, but I do have all my levels of Chromatic Orb. Okay, there's 50 gold pieces, is it, for, for um, Chromatic Orb? I can't remember. But you can make one and you can just go, right, here you go, our wizard... 
or sorcerer needs this, I can make it. If you have everything taken from you, you can make a loot. A loot's like what? 35 gold pieces. Hmm. If you have all your stuff taken off you, 35 gold pieces. There we go. I've got a loot. I can sing. Yeah. I can sing. I can I can cast spells now. Okay. The only thing that I sort of had in my head for it would be and again this is something where the I think the DM would have to, the DM would probably disagree with it would be could you create an open hunting trap under someone? I think that would Does be Does it not arguable. specify unoccupied space? I mean, you could create it in front so of you someone. You could create it in front of someone in an unoccupied space within 10 feet of you. Yeah. But, but what you can do with that, but what you could do with that is put that in a doorway. If, mm. you're, in, if you're behind a doorway and there's someone who's about to come in, you put a bear yeah. trap there, they're going to come in. I mean, thinking about it, the other thing you could do is 80 gold pieces. Would that cover a table that you could then yeah. flip over and use for cover? Only problem with there is, is that it's an action to use this ability. Mm. So you'd have to take two turns. But yeah. It does mean in a situation where you're desperately wanting for uh, I mean, cover. how much is a wardrobe? You could put a wardrobe in front of a door. <laughs> well, why not? You know, Scooby do it. That was the thing that I was mostly interested in because in terms of the build that I've got, the only part of College of Creation that I really make use of is that summon thing. So I was just curious if there were any items that you had thought of for that. The thing about that feature is that really it belongs to the creativity of the player and the willingness to go along with it of the DM. Because maybe you don't want to create a diamond for a wizard. Maybe you want to create a great sword for, a, for your barbarian. Who can then smash open the the gates of a? I'm using that as an example because I'm, I'm not as creative as I'd like to think I am. You could probably summon like a boat. How much is a boat? Ships are quite expensive. I was and looking no, like at a, I was looking like a at raft, sea. I was a... looking at sea vehicles, and I think even like dinghies are quite expensive. What about a canoe? Okay, it's on there. Oh, it's from Tomb of Annihilation, but it is fifty gold pieces. So you could create a canoe. You wouldn't have any oars. But, you know, a rowboat is 50 gold pieces. So for the rogue, because I took a rogue dip, Mm. I got expertise in thieves' tools and sleight of hand because I figured, yeah, naughty pirate boy. Sneak attack, obviously. Racial abilities, dark vision, shifting. So, again, while shifted, your walking speed increases by 10 feet, which means swimming speed increases Additionally, you can move up to 10 feet as a reaction when a creature ends its turn within five. Now, interestingly, that spurred you to think you don't need Warcaster. But I did take Warcaster for the Constitution bonus. The the bonus to Constitution constitution saves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Advantage, isn't it? It's advantage when it's for concentration. Sorry. Being able to cast while you've got while you're holding weapons you only need one hand free to cast yeah kind of also for being able to cast a spell as a reaction because in the situations where you want to be able to to you know respond to somebody having the ability to cast vicious mockery at them is quite useful or if you've got somebody who's run up close to you and uh, I've got an AC of uh, 15 so not terrible so if I wanted to temporarily distract someone and keep them close to me or somebody's running somebody's run past me to get to the squishy little wizard and is about Mm. to cause a real problem i can cast command i see i can cast command as a response and just tell them to go yeah sit beg roll out and we shouldn't say that with the dog here (laughs) no just start yeah rolling around again it means like it so it means i can use my reaction for that or i can just use you know you've just got silvery barbs so that massively increases your utility within the reaction space. I see that. 
And I think what's interesting about this is that I always, whenever I roll a bard, or think about rolling a bard, I'm like, well, how can I make them viable in close combat? And my my weakness is, how can I make something viable in close combat? And I went, do you know what? For once, no. Mm. We're not doing close combat. There is no need for this to be viable in close combat. And the reaction means, if someone comes up to you, as a reaction, you move away. Mm. If they've used all their movement, you move away. And if they decide to dash to you, then they've used their action and they can't hit you. So I think it's really interesting that you're like, no, 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 I want to be in close combat. It's not that I want to be in close combat. Actually, the the character is uh, crossbow wielding. Okay. So they are ranged bard. Right, right, right. Which, thinking about it, uh, I mentioned last week, most of my history with D&D has been through building for computer RPGs Mm -hmm. because I used to play second edition when I was much younger Mm. with two friends. And I don't think any of us really understood the rules. But briefly played 3.5 with a a tabletop group just after leaving university. And then after that, it was mostly just building for things that were based on the 3.5 system. And when I started watching Critical Role, which sort of got me more interested with the way feats worked in 5th edition and things like that. That's sort of more more how I I got back into 5th edition. I really like it after the very particular way that you had to build for 4th edition. Which ah. fourth edition was a complex one. I know. I know there are fans of it, and I, I've said before to you, I'm playing Pillars of Eternity, which is based in the fourth edition system, and I think it works fantastically as a computer-based mm. system for D&D. I can see a lot of ways it could get bogged down in minutia if you played it tabletop, unless you were all really mathematical thinkers. Well, I was watching a Dungeon Dudes video. I could not tell you which one. <laughs> And they were saying about, you know, creating characters and stuff, that in 4th edition, this is not my opinion, I have no idea whether this is true or not, but they were saying, in 4th edition, if you didn't min-max, you died. It's very, very much like that, yeah. And I'm I'm presuming there's some hyperbole in there. It's not my opinion. They're exaggerating. It's more that they don't really work if you don't min-max. Yeah, exactly. And their point was, you know, nowadays, it doesn't matter if you take the wrong feet, wrong in quotation marks you can take the feet you want to take and if you take it for flavor you take it for flavor and you're going to have a bloody good time with that flavor so so you chose crossbow expert no, no I, cho- so I chose just cross- crossbow, just crossbow wielding i did yeah. look at crossbow expert because at one point uh, i wanted to have somebody who had a rapier in one hand mm-hmm. had the hand crossbow in the off hand mm-hmm. and if you have crossbow expert that then puts you in a position where you can attack the person you're attacking mm-hmm. and then you can just you, Shot, you can yeah. use your bonus attack to take a shot at somebody else the problem that I had with that is that as I started to take more bard abilities Mm. and more spells and things like that I started to see there are so many more things you can do with your bonus attack than an than an action. Well, I mean, bardic inspiration. Yeah, maybe as if I'd been building a rogue Mm. as a pirate, it would have been really good to have that offhand where you're sort of dueling against one person and then you just yeah, occasionally yeah. turn around and pop off a shot at somebody else like Robin Hood in the uh, in the Disney one where he's fighting off everyone mm. and Maid Marion's like oh, you know what do you want to do we'll have seven kids and he's like just yeah. fighting people off casually downstairs again Kevin Costner no <laughs> the best one which features an unnecessarily sexy cartoon fox see I thought you were going to go on about uh, hang on which one are you thinking of no, Guy Ritchie did King Arthur. He didn't do. Uh, he didn't. Did he? 
Did he do a Robin Hood? I'll, no, have, to, I'll have, to look that up. That was, I'll have to look that up. Didn't Ridley Scott do one? Was that I'm, get, I'm getting very confused over things and I'll have to look these all up, but yeah. I think you just summed up the millennial mindset there. Yeah. I'm getting very confused about things and have to look them up. Yeah, there's there's too many things now. Going back to the feats, the one thing that I did think about that is with 4th edition, it is very much that you can mess up a build so that it's not really possible to proceed with it in any viable way. 3rd edition, the problem that I always had with that is if you wanted cleave as a feat, you had to have a, your stats had to be at a certain level right. and you had to take power attack first, which I never used. So that's a whole level that you're taking a feat you're not going to use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you have to wait another two levels to then get cleave, which is the ability that you want and then you have to take greater cleave to make it good so you had the whole feet tree system where if you chose the wrong thing early on it meant you couldn't take the thing that you wanted later on which the nearest I've come to that in fifth edition was with Cesare where I had always planned to take ritual caster yeah. as a sorcerer which would have been really useful and then I discovered that because I hadn't given myself a 13 in intelligence or wisdom I couldn't take Ritual Caster. So that's the only time that I've sort of locked myself out of progressing a build in 5th edition. But 5th edition feels like it is so much more forgiving in terms of what you can do with a build. It's less easy to just kind of suddenly turn around and realise, oh God, I forgot to do that, which means I can't take this yeah. and I can't take this. It's less this. prescriptive. Like with uh, Crossbow Expert, I feel like in 3.5, there's a bunch of other feats you would have had to have taken to, to make it that, actually work. Yeah, to yeah. make it actually work. The same with two weapon fighting. If you wanted to wep two weapon fight, there were about three or four things that you had to take to actually make it work as a feat. I mean, thinking about dual wielding now, someone's going to go, "No, you don't." There's another build you can do. I'm sure there is, but you kind of have to take the dual wielding fighting style and the dual wielding feat to make it actually as viable as you want it to be. Yeah, which one of the first versions of this that I built, like I said, I, I built it for a dual wielding bard mm -hmm. because I wanted them running around the battlefield. But then the more I thought about it, the more I thought, like I say, there's so many other things to do with your bonus action than stabbing people, which is why I sort of, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, I'm investing so much time into this character not getting hit. Why don't I just make a character that shouldn't be getting hit? Which bards can do that archer stat because yeah, yeah, most yeah. of their abilities are ranged. They can sit back, hide behind cover, but and especially that's, with that's why I'm intrigued why you took Warcaster though. Because my thing is, if someone comes no. if someone comes towards no. me, I'm off ten foot. If they want to reach me any more, they're going to have to waste their action. Yeah, and then then I can disengage as an action and yeah. really run for it. Warcaster, like I said, it's mostly for the concentration checks. And the thing is, even if you are sat at range with a crossbow. You can still get hit, and you'll yeah, still true. have to. You'll still that's have true. to take the concentration check. So mostly, it's because the, I I generally try not to take concentration things. Friends is only concentration for a minute, and the way that I would be using it is primarily outside of uh, outside combat. Yeah. The effect of bane dropping mid combat can be big, so you want to keep your concentration if you've got that going. Phantasmal force again, having advantage on that is going to be very useful. So I gave myself some extra spells with my magic item. So you took Mariner's Studded Leather. Yeah. I took, and I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, the McFermi Sittern. It is one of the magical bard items. 
and it gives you a charge of bark skin cure wounds fly fog cloud invisibility levitate protection from evil and good one per day oh wow of each of those spells of each fuck me yeah that's Uh, good yeah there are a few and this one because it had bark skin and protection from evil and good I decided to give to my Taylor Swift homage so yeah. that she could have a thick skin to yeah. uh, beat off all those... Um... No, don't beat off the haters. <laughs> <laughs> you know, haters going to hate. So that was just me searching through, and I went, all right, well, I'll look through all of the uncommon bard mm. items and see which one I like the most. And they're all they're much of a muchness, to be really honest with you. But yeah, yeah it's one of, it has one charge of each. So say you get this at level two, three, you have one, two, three second-level spells for free, and a third level spell for free. Again, one of the problems that I've got with my build is because I went Bard for Rogue One. No third level spells. Uh, yeah, no third level spells. Well, I do have third level spells, and I took Mass Healing Word. Okay. I only took that because it fit in with my whole Taylor Swift giving life to her fans gimmick that I was going for for this. It's, I'm not saying it's this best spell. Some people really don't like the spell at all. Hmm. It just fit for me as a thing, if, so I, I took it. If I'd gone for level 5 bard and got the third level spells, I probably would have gone for slow, just because it's... It's, it's a great spell a, to take. Yeah. It's a great spell to take. But th- this one, for me, wasn't was about being silly. Um, mm. And if you know anything about Taylor Swift, that's her background. Raised on a Christmas tree farm, divorced parents, music from a young age. She then goes off into the wilderness to perform and has uh, a little bit of heartbreak along the way. Mm. Okay, we're going to take a brief break and then we'll be back to discuss the background and fluff. Cool. Come on, buddy. Shift. Shift, shift. Good boy. And we're back. I know I said we'd be discussing fluff when we came back, but uh, we haven't gone over the abilities. The ability spread. So. We are using the one that you said, not the <laughs> stupid one that I got wrong last week. It's, it's, it's fine. The thing is, the one that I got can be replicated by anyone, so anybody can exactly. put those, put that build in, and anybody can use that build. What I realised doing it this way this time is, last time with the point buy system, I was thinking, how can I take points off this? How can I tank this stat? How can I, you know, maximise this stat and things like that? Whereas with this, it's you just have, you know, the 15, the 14. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What did you put your 15 in? Should we, we'll, we'll do it back and forth. What did you put your 15 in? Uh, 15 went in charisma. Same. So that took me up to 16 for sixteen charisma total. Mm-hmm. 14 in dexterity. With the plus two, that took me up to 16 again. This is my standard rule for a standard array. Mm-hmm. Your 15 goes in your primary stat, your 14 goes in constitution. So that's <laughs> what I've done. Well, if, if there is a build where I don't put 14 in constitution, it will be for a barbarian so that I can have a higher armor class. Earlier, when I was, to, when I was thinking about building it as a more melee-focused character, I did have the 14 in constitution. But then when I figured they'd be taking a back seat and sitting around, ideally hiding out of combat, that was why I took the constitution of 12 mm-hmm. instead. Intelligence 13, because I couldn't think of anywhere else to put it, and I wanted a character who was more intelligent than wise, kind of seems like it suits a pirate mm-hmm. kind of background. So that's 13 in intelligence, 12 constitution, 10 wisdom, and 8 strength. I also did 8 strength. My constitution was 14. My 13 went into wisdom. And my 12 went into dex. Okay, so talk me through 12 dex as a bard. Because that's... because you get plus 2 as a shifter. Oh, so you're up to 14 Teen. anyway. So yeah. I'm up to 14 anyway. 
could I have switched that round so that it was a 12 in Wisdom and a 15 in Dex and then it would be less for me to upgrade with a, an ASI later on? Yes, I could have, but I really don't like even numbers. Sorry, I really don't like odd numbers. I hate having an odd number in the build. I absolutely I hate it. cannot stand it. And I had an emotional, moral crisis. I had to decide whether I was going to give Taylor Swift more intelligence or more wisdom. That is a bad decision to have to make. You only come off bad in that. So if Taylor Swift is ever listening in a parallel universe, I'm really sorry, but you have a 13 in wisdom and a 10 in intelligence. But I put my 8 in strength as well. Not because I think Taylor Swift is not a, a physically strong person, just because I'm sure that if you asked her, it wouldn't be her primary stat. Uh, what did you take for your skills, your your skill proficiencies? What proficiencies? Oh, skill proficiencies. Yeah. Uh, let me just have... A butcher's hook. I'm just going through the, the character builder section yeah. so I can see them more clearly. Oh, excuse me, yawning. Okay, so proficiencies. Uh, horn, drum, lute, athletics, sleight of hand and performance. And because it's a bard expertise at third level I took as I say athletics mm-hmm. so that I had a decent athletics for any distance no, I like that. and deception because one of the background character things that I've got is they are not quite compulsive liar they just like to lie a lot <laughs> uh, so I've got that and as a rogue uh, I get additional proficiency in stealth do you get additional expertise yes I get additional expertise which I took thieves tools and sleight of hand yeah, I can so why. the Thieves tools, I've got proficiency and expertise, which I believe means my proficiency bonus is doubled for any ability check that I make that uses thieves tools. tools. That's true. So I took acrobatics Mm -hmm. and animal handling. Taylor Swift likes cats. Yeah. She has a few. Three? Someone will correct me. My partner will correct me when I get home. Numerous. Numerous. She has a number of cats. I chose insight, I chose nature, and then I put my expertise into performance and persuasion. The, the idea is that this is the face of the party. Someone's going to go, why did you put expertise in nature? I had one left, and it just seemed like the most fun one to put it in. That's why that's there. So you took the pirate background. I took I know the that. pirate background, yeah. Uh, what I was going to say is the, the big stats that I've got, so the ones that are above five, mm. is I've got acrobatics at plus six, I've got deception at plus nine, intimidation's Ooh, all right at plus four performance plus six persuasions plus four so it's not bad sleight of hand plus nine and stealth plus six so they've got good rogue stats Mm -hmm. i think any bard is going to be expected to be at least competent at face stuff I've got plus five in dex mm. uh, and a plus nine in both performance and persuasion. So that's you're more of the traditional face where you're going to be walking <laughs> up to people like, come on, and stuff like that. <laughs> With a New York accent. Yeah. Even though I'm from Tennessee. <laughs> Not me, but Taylor Swift is. Oh, as part of my background, I get proficiency with disguise kits. And so some part of my money was spent on studded leather. That was 45 GP. And I'm pretty sure it's 25 GP for a disguise kit. So I've got 30 GP to play with. Might buy a healing potion. That was something I wanted to go through was the, the full breakdown of what we bought. Because yeah. we agreed there would be the extra... You get 100 gold. Yeah, extra 100 gold. If I remember rightly, I bought a burglar's kit, oh. a potion of healing, thieves tools. I think there were a, there might have been something else that I bought. But the burglar's kit is good because it includes a bunch of stuff that's useful, like the crowbar. Oh, and I started with the... I think it's the entertainer's pack. 
Right. You get because you can either take an explorer or an entertainer's pack. Is it not the diplomat's pack? It is, yeah, it's diplomat or entertainer. I chose that because you get two costumes. So rather than wearing the common clothes, I wear the pirate costume. Oh, right. So I, I personally great. feel that when you take that and it says it gives you two costumes, I feel like you should name that in your, yeah, yeah. you know, change the name of it in D&D Beyond or on your, your character sheet or whatever to reflect what they are for future reference the dm is like you're not going to suddenly say oh yeah i've got two costumes and yet somehow they magically change into like different things so i've got i've got a noble costume a pirate costume and i've got a set of incognito clothes for when i just want to blend in and not i like it i like it yeah um characteristics personality traits ideals bonds flaws Okay, you go first. Uh, so, personality traits. I try to fit this to Taylor Swift as much as possible. I'm a hopeless romantic, always searching for that special someone, which I believe she now has. Congratulations. Oh. And I'll settle for nothing less than perfection. What were your personality traits as a pirate? Personality traits, I stretch the truth for the sake of a good story. Mm. I was back and forth on this because I didn't know whether to make them good or neutral. I think no. I defaulted to good. But uh, I stretch the truth for the sake of a good story. My friends know they can rely on me no matter what. Fair enough. Ideals. Freedom. The sea is freedom. The freedom to go anywhere and do anything. I like that. Uh, Mine was people. I like seeing the smiles on people's faces when I perform. That's Mm. all that matters. Because I believe that's, that's how Taylor views it. Bonds. I would do anything for the other members of my old troop. Hmm. Ruthless pirates murdered my captain and crewmates, plundered our ship, and left me to die. Vengeance will be mine. Wow, okay. Uh, flaws. I'm a sucker for a pretty face. No disrespect, man. I'm, yep. So am I, in reality. Oh, I've chosen two flaws. If that was what the character you wanted, choose two flaws. You choose as many as you like. I think the one that I would probably go with out of the two that I chose is once someone questions my courage, I never back down no matter how dangerous the situation. So I go a little bit Marty McFly because of that. <laughs> I always think of Marty McFly. Who yeah. are you calling chicken? Did you take any of the additional bard features from Tasha's Cauldron of Bullshit? Yeah, probably. Because I took the magical inspiration thing. Yeah, I sort of took it because it's an extra thing you can do. It, it doesn't change anything. It just... Yeah, I took the additional bard spells. I think command is in the additional spell list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, command is in the, the additional list. Oh, in mirror the image. So it's aid, by the Mirror way. image is in the extra list. Mm-hmm. And I was also thinking of taking aid at second level, which is also in the additional uh, spell list. Took the magical inspiration since it was there. I guess if I'd been advancing towards third level, mm. like if I'd started this as a, as a first level character and then gotten up to level three, there are probably a couple of the cantrips or the expertise features that I would replace as I got up to level three. So I would probably have used the bardic versatility. Oh, there was something else I wanted to bring up. So College of Creation gets a thing called the motive potential at third level. Yeah, right? I looked at it but I just thought okay that's an interesting extra I couldn't really think of anything I couldn't really think of anything useful to do with it I'm specifically looking at the saving throw one sorry not I couldn't think of anything useful I mean I couldn't think of anything build specific like yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. they're nice extras to have yeah, yeah but there wasn't anything that I thought ooh that ties in with this and so it kind of flavor wise I like the idea that in the party it's actually just Taylor Swift's road crew, right? So it's a Grayler Swift stride, and I hyphenated it specifically. So she's performing, 
and then everyone else is around there and they know her work. So for an ability check, you can roll the... Uh, when the creature rolls the Bardic Inspiration to add to an ability check, the creature can roll the Bardic Inspiration again and choose which role to use. So I like that being the idea that they've listened to a Taylor Swift lyric and they're now like, actually, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it this way. Well, the one thing that I like is that you mentioned before you've built that thing where it gives you bonus hit points. Um, and the saving, saving throw, throw thing. Yeah, I leaned in heavy to that. Gains temporary hit points equal to the number rolled on the Bardic Inspiration die. So you're preemptively healing the people around you. Exactly. Um, I kind of wanted to fill that all in. So we've done the equipment, done the magic item. What are the pros of your build? What do you like about your build? The thing that I like about the build, I think part of the challenge here is to have things that work with what we've rolled. So you have to look at the Bard, you have to look at the College of Creation, and you have to look at the race, so the mm -hmm. Swift Strider. And looking at those things, for the Bard, obviously, it's inspiring things, affecting the flow of battle and the balance of things. So for the Bard, obviously, I've got traits that use that. With the Swift Strider particularly, I like the fact that I had a caster that I didn't have to think, where can I fit Misty Step into this build? You have a caster that can just move out, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. hit the bricks, just you can just leave. For free? Yeah. Um, oh no, you can only do it once per short rest? Once per short rest, but again, it's it's nothing to be sneezed at and you do... You don't have to take a fit, you don't have to take yeah. Fate Touch to get that, so... You don't have to take up a spell knowledge slot no, with no, no, uh, no. Misty Step or, or you know, try, try to mess around to try and get it. You have a bard that can, if things get bad, which hopefully they will only once per short rest, rest. Yeah. you can just move out of the way. Uh, although it does say that the transformation lasts for a minute and you can do that while you're transformed. So it's not that you yeah. can only move out of the way, you can only transform and then move out of the way. I think it's one of those things where you would have to assess the setup of the battle and think, am I gonna get rushed in this battle? And then think, right, I will transform so that I get the extra movement and the ability to just leave, if some, <laughs> you know, just nope my way out of there if somebody walks up to me. Um, I never thought of it as free Misty Step, but you're right. It is, it is filling that niche, it's, at least. It's filling the get the hell out of the way niche. I'm so sorry, I've just looked at my equipment. I'm not wielding a crossbow because when I looked at the crossbow, it was less damage than Vicious Mockery. How? The oh, because we're at level D five. Yeah, because we're only level at level five. five. It's D eight plus three, and unless you take crossbow expert, it's got the loading property, so you can't attack twice in the same turn. Is that right? Yes. So yeah. the loading property means yeah. that you attack once and then load. So when I looked at that, I thought if I need to physically attack something, if I'm in a situation where I can't spell cast and do vicious mockery. Like, Vicious Mockery does more at the moment anyway because yeah. it's 2d4 versus 1. It's well, a, it's about the, 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 minimum can, uh, the minimum can only ever be 2. That's why a great sword is better than a great axe, if I've got mm. that right, because a great axe is a d12 and a great sword is 2d6, which means the minimum damage is always 2. So on average, you deal more damage, but it's I, by a small amount. Yeah, I, I went through, I replaced the crossbow with the rapier so that if I get in trouble and I do need to melee attack because of the studded leather, I've got 15 armor class, so I'm not in trouble if I get in close combat. It's just, it's not great. It's just, it's not ideal. Well, what I was saying is I, I, I actually, I have a rapier as the weapon, yeah, yeah. not a crossbow. That was what I was getting to with all of that. That's all right. 
I, I chose a rapier, obviously. So one of the things you mentioned there about armor class is that I'm my armor class is 14, and I'm not worried about it because of my magic sitern, I get bark skin, which sets my AC to 16, and well, can't be lower than 16. That would be another flexibility thing where you could look at a combat and think, am I likely to get into close combat? And you can either cast it on the first turn, or if you see the combat kicking off, you can surprise round cast. You know, mug skin and then wander in and be like, hey, you can't hit me. Yeah. Because it's concentration. Some Mm -hmm. people might argue that's a way to a concentration spell. I don't necessarily disagree. (laughs) Yeah. But I don't disagree that bark skin might be a waste of a concentration spell slot. In theory, mage armor is a little better because Mm. you just set it and forget. But uh, I don't think mage armor is available to bards. Mage armor, the problem that I have with that is that it's fiddly with D&D Beyond. At the moment, I would love to see it, to see it automatically added to the defences section. Mm. But right now it doesn't. So unlike everything else on D&D Beyond where it works it out for you, it's one of the things where you do have to go, okay, base AC of 13 plus my decks. Plus you my actually have to work it out, yeah. You actually have to work it Like I've mostly, when we start combats in the home game, I usually make a note because I'm up to AC 16 with the cloak yeah. of protection now. Sorry, this is this is my home character, not this character. So because of that, I have to work that out and then write write in down, yeah, write yeah. AC 16 and uh, at the side because D and D Beyond still lists it as 13, which is a bit annoying. Yeah, that it doesn't factor that in. Doesn't factor. I do find mage armor a bit fiddly in that respect. So cons of your build. The cons, I think, are mostly standard bard cons in the fact that when you run out of spell slots, there's not a great deal you can do. Vicious mockery is still very good for the fact that it's just gotten an upgrade for upgrade at level 5 it's quite strong in this build at level 5 mm-hmm. the 2 2d4 is quite a good amount for an on demand spell that you don't need spell slots for it's one of those things where there's a lot of tricks but they run out so the weakness of the build is in terms of mine, I've only got the trick from a Swift Stride Shifter, which, as you said, once per short rest, yeah. you have to use up an action if you get surprised. You have to kind of weigh up the combat to decide, is this something where I'm going to need to move around a lot? I don't know if you spotted any other weaknesses. For the College of Creation specifically, the weakness is your font of creation. Is that what it's called? Performance okay. of creation. Yeah. Sorry. What am I thinking of? Font of inspiration is at level... It's five that you get everything back. Yeah, and a short rest. Short yeah, rest yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. My brain did a work. The performance of creation thing is utterly limited by how creative you are and how forgiving your DM is. And because the amount of gold pieces you can spend goes up, can I conjure a trebuchet? If a trebuchet is worth, I don't know how much a trebuchet is worth, but at a certain level, mm. can I build a trebuchet? This is a repeat of what the dungeon dudes have said, admittedly. But now I have a trebuchet. Mm. At the level I can afford a trebuchet, my wizard can cast fireball. Why the yeah. fuck am I wandering around with a trebuchet? <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel like you referred to it before as a get out of jail free card. And I think it's one of those things where it is literally so in, in the, useful. In the, you can just summon the thing. I can see it holding up a lot of games where if you have a group where you don't have a good working relationship between the players and the DM, mm. which is a bad situation to set up with anyway, anyway yeah, yeah. I can see that as the sort of situation where you have a player who is saying, 
no, I'm summoning this. And the DM saying, you can't summon that, it's overpowered. Once you've got to the point where you're having the, well, rules as written, it says this argument with your DM, you've you've kind of both lost. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. you haven't reached a viewpoint of the ability where you're both going, this is what's cool and this is what works for the story slash campaign. You've reached a weird point. And I think that's definitely an ability which really has potential to hold up games where the player goes, well, no, I'm summoning an antique fireplace. And somebody <laughs> goes, why are you summoning an antique fireplace? And they go, well, let me look up how much an antique fireplace would cost. Okay, that's 10 gold over. Let me look up something else. So unless somebody has looked up beforehand... And has a list in their how much, Unless somebody has a list or already has a page open of items and how much they cost. That's something that could hold up games in terms of somebody goes, this thing costs 90 gold pieces. My limit is 100. And the DM is like, right, but if, if you summon a training dummy there in the middle of this corridor nobody is going to be able to get past you know you could have a situation where the dm has designed a bottleneck you could have a player who trolls the party by sticking a boulder there for three hours or something and yes that solved the problem yes that's locked the enemies from getting through now you can't get back out but then you can't get back you know again a dm should be able to think creatively around that but it's one of those things where i can see it causing massive problems in games if you don't have players and DMs cooperating on the story. So, here's the thing. There's a noble, and he wants you to go and get a muffin. Mm. It's a gilded muffin. has... It's baked with sapphires in it, yeah. right? I'm making pulling this out of my arse right now. Okay. In theory, if you go to the magical bakery and they go, yeah, that's uh, 90 gold pieces, please. You go, no thank you. You wander back and you hand someone an imagine, you know, essentially an imaginary gold muffin. Take the reward and bugger off. Even As a then, DM, I would think that would, I, I would think that's funny. But and and I would go, okay, now we've got natural consequences to this action. But if it was, you need to go and find a book that has knowledge in it. You go to the bookshop. It's fifty gold pieces. Nah, now I've got the book. Yeah, again, being a problem with that is you don't even have to go to the bookshop. You get the cleric to cast scrying. Can clerics get the scrying by level five or is that higher? I'm pretty sure that there are ways of remotely viewing things at level five. So you could get another character to just look at the thing, minor image show the bard what it looks like, the bard then creates it. No, scrying is fifth level. All right, okay. So you can scry, but... Let's let's talk later level at this point. At later levels when the value goes up as well. What's to stop you from going, and I summon a bridge? At sixth level, it can be a large object. I think there's one of the articles about College of Creation, or I think it actually specifically lists a bridge. There was somewhere that I was... Oh, list- yeah, you actually... There was something that I read, it actually specifically listed uh, summoning a bridge if the bridge costs <laughs> less than the, the amount the you're allowed to do, because you can get into arguments about how much something costs. I'm kind of going a bit Marxist here, but what do you say about how much it costs? Like, which shop do you buy it from? If you're talking about the list value in D&D Beyond, that's fine, but not every non-magical Don't. item has a value listed. And something like a bridge, are you talking about the amount that it would cost, cost. a labourer to build it? The amount that it would cost the mati- just the materials? Yeah. Because if you're going by that, it would cost... An artisan can make one gold piece a day. So you would then have to argue with the DM, okay, how many people do you think it would take to build a bridge and how much do you think it would cost for the materials? And then have the DM work all of that out and does it cost less than whatever your limit is? Because but at that point, at that point, you're not playing D&D. You're playing Spreadsheet Simulator 4000. Yeah, which <laughs> fourth edition, some people like that. <laughs> 
Hey, if you like that, <laughs> that's great. No, I need to be clear about that. I really enjoyed fourth edition in Pillars of Eternity. I really like the implementation yeah. that they've got of it in there. I really like the way that it works and will probably come back to banging on about the way armor works in Pillars. I just love it. But as a pen and paper game, I can see that getting caught up on the details a lot. As soon and as you have to drag an, a calculator yeah, out. This is another no. thing where you could get into big arguments yeah. with a DM or a player who is being obstinate about values of things. And also the value of something is nebulous anyway in D&D. They're recommended values. Absolutely. So, so for instance, a, a silvered sword. There we go. That's a perfect example. In our game, a silvered sword didn't cost very much. So now, if someone played a College of Creation Bard, and I swear if you pick a College of Creation Bard, if Cesare dies, I'm going to have eruptions. <laughs> you could just go, yeah, I, I've got a silvered sword. Yeah, I, I, it's here for three hours. I can I can stab someone up with it. I yeah. have an adamantine one. Mm. And like I don't know the values off the top of my head, and someone I'm sure will tell us that actually what you're asking is virtually impossible. Yeah, and and that's that's fine. But that's the thing about the rules. At the beginning of the Dungeon Master Guide, it basically says these are suggestions. Do what you want. Mm. And I think College of Creation is both you can do whatever you want and these are the rules and I, and I think that's yeah. kind of a, an issue with it overall one of the rules that we set is no critical role content and the reason that we set that is because it's designed for a specific DM playing with a specific set of players that he knows he mm. can trust so when Talison plays Bloodhunter or Talison plays Gunslinger he knows Talison is not with the exception of the PvP episode they did, Talison is not going to pull utterly broken things yeah. that he can do. Talison is going to respect Matt because they are both telling a story for an audience. Yeah, yeah. When they make these overpowered builds, they trust themselves to use them. Yeah. Most players are not going to be lucky enough. Most no. players and most DMs are not going to be lucky enough to have that relationship. So if you get some a player who builds for something like Echo Knight, they're going to do some absolutely ridiculous shit. Yeah. The standard books that we'll be using and the standard things that we'll be using, I mean, you might want to sort of expand on this from your perspective as well, yeah. but the standard things that, we've, that we're using are Jeremy Crawford, bless him, is constantly clarifying things on Twitter to say, no, you can't use it in that way, or it was designed to do this, or yeah. this is the spirit of that ability, please stick to that. He is constantly clarifying the official things on Twitter to keep them reasonable, to keep them limited. And I think because of where we've come to with College of Creation Bard, I think that's a good point to make about with this class because it's just summon an item. <laughs> you could yeah. have a creative enough player who can straight up break the campaign yeah. with that. Um, how can... much is a block and tackle? You could like if you need to move a big rock. Okay, I don't know how much it is, but if it's less than a hundred gold, mm. at fifth level you can go. Yeah, we didn't bring a block and tackle, but yeah. there is one. Move this boulder, and you know what was supposed to be a booby trapped thing or, or impossible to do so they had to take another route has now mm. become yeah, you sneak in through the back door and you go straight to the thing fight the boss walk out without any you know without being weakened is that going to happen every time as a DM can you get around that yes I would go okay you're going through the back door but you still have to go through I don't know two, two chambers and I'll put extra hard enemies in there not to not reward the players but to make sure that they're not just going to walk in you know they're level 6 the boss is level yeah. 8 at CR8 
and stomp it yeah. because you know they've got magic items and whatever. Here's the other thing, Simon. Mm. If you were to play a College of Creation bard, right, at our table, if someone said, can I summon this? That would be a question. And it would be, this might be too much. This might be too cheeky. And I would say, how much is it? And I would go, I would argue that a barrel of dynamite, because you, mm. I, I don't know how much a barrel of dynamite costs, but we're talking, we're not talking about our fifth level characters on we're talking about the College of Creation. Yeah. So a barrel of dynamite, to me, that is technically one item. But I would also argue that you can summon the barrel or a stick of dynamite because yeah. a barrel of dynamite... Like, you know, we need to break into this castle. Barrel of dynamite. We need to take down this horde of giants. Barrel of dynamite. You've watched that Mitchell and Webb look. The BMX kid and the angels. Yeah, 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 BMX kid and, the, and there's like the angel summoner. And he's yeah. like, yeah, I'm going to go in there, do a kick flip, kick someone in the face, do a <laughs> somersault. And he's like, oh, we could just send the angels. We could just summon a horde of angels. Uh, yeah. And you essentially have that problem where every time you play, someone's going to go, I summon a barrel of dynamite. Yeah. You end it with Jacob's Fireball Wizard. Yeah, I cast Fireball. Yeah, 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 yeah from XP to level three. Exactly. Yeah. And like Joe Cat, who has a crap guide to D&D, &D, uh, he does the same thing where he talks about Fireball. And he says, in every single situation, Fireball is, is the best thing to, to cast. Yeah. And in this instance, Barrel of Dynamite, <laughs> doesn't cost you a spell slot the restrictions are it has to be medium or smaller um, non-magical does it say common rarity or does it just say non-magical this is what I'm going to check right now yeah check the exact wording of it I mean the thing is it's once per long rest so if you had a player who kept pulling that there is no a, rarity as a DM you could then go ah oh, no because then you're running up against the money limit aren't you well I was going to say you could just summon a spyglass constantly but no you can't because it's a thousand GP but at a certain level the College of Creation Bard you said there's, I think it's it just, 10 or 12, there's no monetary limit. It's not that high. And, and, and the next level after this, I mean, we're talking about future levels now, hmm. but the next level after this, you can just animate something. So at level 14, hmm. you can summon a spyglass and you can do that a number of number of items equals your charisma modifier and you can just get rid of... So say you've summoned five items, you can just get rid of one of those items. So it's sort of like the artificer being able to summon magic items at the beginning of every day. Well, they make them, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But still, at that point, it lasts five hours so you know barrel of dynamite and some more dynamite to go with it yeah the only limitation that i can think on that is it's once per long rest so an easy way of getting around that for a dm might be to just put an obvious situation where they need to get past a large stone wall so they then very smartly dynamite their way through it and then you give them the actual puzzle that you want them to work their way around the thing is though for a second level spell slot you can do it again right hang on <laughs> <laughs> so at higher levels, could you use coffee lock shenanigans to get that second level spell back, to keep getting that second level spell slot back? Would okay. you? What would, would you is, what a, is would another you, matter, but yeah, did. Could you? What, what sort of level would you be looking at to get enough levels to get coffee lock and enough levels to get College of Creation Bard to be able to do that? College so, of Creation Bard is, sorry, it's third level, you, you get that ability. Yeah. It? Yeah. For Coffee Lock, you would need to be third level for a second level spell. We're, we're using Coffee Lock not as strictly, but the, the idea that you, you have... You have your packed spells, you have your sorcerer spells, you go through a complex procedure that no matter how many times people explain it to me, it does not sink in. <laughs> um, you go through a complex thing of burning your packed slots to get your sorcery your, your, points back. and Yeah, okay. So with a bard, with a bard... 
if you took three levels of Warlock, because it's not Coffee Lock, but it is Coffee Lock shenanigans. If you took three levels of Bard after your five levels of whatever, your five levels of College of Creation Bard, sorry, you would be able to have two second level spell slots that recharge on a short rest, plus your one free use, plus all of your a level five, how many... Um, the reason I was thinking Coffee at level At level five, you would have three second level spell slots. So you would have six uses, in theory, of your creative skullduggery. Admittedly, at this point, only up to mm. 100 gold pieces. But at level 17, where you would have your 14th level feature, mm. you have even more uses. Well, that's why I was thinking of the coffee lock shenanigans. So yeah. that if you've got the warlock and the sorcerer, so you can do the trade-off between sorcery points and... yes packed slots so you can do that interaction on yeah, a short yeah. rest uh, if you don't know what a coffee lock is it's worth looking up I still I cannot get it to sink in but it's a thing look if it up if you type in giant in the playground optimization builder there is a great article on there where someone explains what a coffee lock is in really simple terms I can't explain it in simple terms, but Coffee Lock only works if your DM lets it, lets it work. Yes. The specific Coffee Lock build of only taking eight short rests instead of one long rest and giving yourself, theoretically, an infinite spell sh slot like shenanigans. If you then mix it with Sorcerer, you can then give yourself spell slots back and sorcery points back. And it turns into... It turns into a whole thing. Just thinking there, could you take an elven character who only has to take four hours for a long rest, could you give them their four hours long rest and then while everybody else for the last... Four hours. For yeah. the last four hours of everybody else's eight hour long rest, you could have them... That's the only short way... Short rest you, in, like you, you can, can short do. rest. So we're way off topic. That, Specifically, yeah. it also needs... You might not even be able to get it at third level. So I, I apologise if you can't. But you have to be a tome warlock... So Pact of the Tome, and you have to take the invocation which lets you not have to sleep. If you look at the wording of long rest, again, this is getting to the super technical things yeah. here, which is kind of what we're talking about. If you look at the wording, you have to rest and not do anything for that amount of time. So your character doesn't need to sleep, but your character does need to rest. The only mm. way I think you can legitimately get away with it is if you choose an elven character who only, or half-elven who only needs four hours sleep, can go into trance, has the yeah. trance thing, only needs four hours sleep and then for the last four hours. But at that point, mm. you know, it doesn't matter whether you've got eight hours or four hours, you've still got more sorcery points and spells than any person should have in their right mind. Yeah, yeah. It's not the same because you can't do the conversion of warlock pack slot, warlock packed slots say that five times fast into barred spell slots but if you take two long rests per day that is six uses of it off the bat plus all your spell slots plus your free use which is shenanigans but it's always going to be shenanigans because the coffee lock thing is shenanigans yeah um. <laughs> it's I, I guess the the reason that i came around to it is like college of creation is you really should coordinate with your dm before mm -hmm doing it and make sure that you're both okay with it make sure that you're both on the same page if you have that kind of combative if you Leave. both decided that you have that combative relationship with your dm and that's what you both want i mean yes this is something that as a player you can use to wind up your dm i don't recommend playing DD &D like that especially fifth edition no. but i think it's definitely one of those abilities where it is open-ended 
and it could cause problems. And if a player has the right mindset, like combining it with the right, I know our build isn't Elven, but if you combined it with an Elven race and the right sort of coffee lock mm -hmm. shenanigans, what is it specifically that gives you the ability back using a second level spell slot? Let me read it. Once you create an item with this feature, you cannot do so again until finish a long rest unless you expend a spell slot of second level or higher to use this feature again. It does not say a bard spell slot. So right. you could actually do the coffee... The, well, you, you could, could use just warlocks, warlocks to get them back on a short rest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you could do that twice for short rest. Just on a, a minor technical point, I think that would be complicated to do if you were basing it in D&D &D Beyond, because D&D &D Beyond, I don't believe, makes much of a visual distinction between... It does. Oh, it does? They're okay. packed spell slots. All right. They're separate, so that when you take a short rest, they reset. Right, okay. They are separate. And at later levels, if I also had third level spells as a sorcerer, it would show you two on top and two underneath. Great. Okay, so it does make a visual distinction. It does make a visual distinction. But yeah. essentially, if for three levels of Warlock, you can pick some crazy invocations. I mean, we're going, yeah, minimum bard Not three, mean. so you could have your other two levels as Warlock. It works because your primary characteristic is... It's charisma. Charisma. Do you get medium armour as a Warlock, or is it just... Medium? No, it's light armour. You don't But lose then you could take Hexblade, and you would get medium armour and shields. Admittedly, you don't have to take the third level as Pact of the Tome, because mm. we're not doing the coffee lock thing of converting to sorcery, sorcery points and back. So you wouldn't need the Pact of the Tome to make it work. It doesn't actually work if you look at it, but you could take Pact of the Blade and you're a creation bard and you can create whatever you want six times a day. Ouch. That's crazy. And you yeah. have expertise and you can pick, oh yeah, my expertise are now in charisma. Admittedly, yeah. at this point, you're level six and you haven't taken a single feat or ASI. We're, we're looking at like an unoptimized build in that respect. But in terms of shenanigans, it's utterly doable. So with that regard, the pros of my build, uh, this is for completion's sake, I leaned in on the temporary hit points thing and I leaned in on a joke. But the pros are, as a distraction, I've got enough spells there, I think, that can do distraction well enough. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I haven't got battlefield control the same way that you do. But my party is going to have an extra 13 hit points every battle. And at level 5, 13 hit points is actually quite a lot. Yeah. I wouldn't so much call it battlefield control as, as battlefield disruption. Yeah. It's more just ha having a lot of options to divert and change. That's, which that's in, in a way kind of fits You're controlling with the, the battlefield more than I am. Yeah. yeah. It, I, I guess in the, in the strictest sense of the combat roles, yes, it is battlefield control. It feels more like sort of battlefield chaos, which kind of fits... <laughs> Kind of fits with the bard. Kind of fits with the, the College bard, of Creation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, here's one other thing. You could take, and this is being an absolute shit, Metamagic Adept at level 8. Metamagic Adept isn't really that good unless you're a sorcerer, but it would give you, what, two sorcery points worth? Uh, and, and it's a, two sorcery points, and I think it's two one. types of metamagic. It's two types of metamagic, okay. Yeah. Well, just twin spell. There you go, got that twice yeah. a day. You can get that back on a short rest if you multi-class warlock as well. Yeah, that's, that's pretty <laughs> horrific. Right, metamagic adept, so on there I've got quickened spell, transmuted spell, and two sorcery points per day. This is with uh, Cesare, my source. I decided to give my sorcerer two extra sorcery points and two extra metamagic. You points. should. At some it makes you feel like a sorcerer. At some point, 
we'll put these character sheets up on a website or a Patreon at like the lowest tier or something like that. Okay, interesting. Metamagic adepts, mm. you cannot then do the sorcery point conversion conversions. Yeah. Because it's not the actual sorcery point system. You just have two sorcery points. Yeah, you have to have the sorcerer class to, to do then the conversion. Do it. If you have a sorcerer class, you can then do this. But okay. Taking subtle spell or twin spell, quicken spell with this is mm. at level eight. At level eight for me because I'm I'm, I'm yeah. sticking straight bard would be really 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 nasty. Quicken is particularly nasty just because of the amount of times you can you can move something to the bonus action slot. People always look at it as like, oh, you can only do a cantrip and a spell in the same turn, so it's not that useful. But there are also things you can do with your action, like dodge, disengage, mm-hmm. things like that. There, there are so many things you can do with your action, particularly if you've got your bard, you could college of create. I can't think of a specific object that would be really useful with this. But you could create an object with your action, meta magic, cast a spell as a bonus action, because it's an ability you're using your action for. So if you could think of a bullshit enough thing to create as an object. Dynamite. Yeah, create dynamite, use your movement to move away, firebolt. Firebolt, burning yeah. hands. I don't think bards get access to half of these spells that we're mentioning. But yeah. when you get magical secrets, I mm-hmm. take fireball. Yeah. I take fireball and then I blow up the dynamite, which was, which is basically fireball again. So you get double fireball. Yeah. <laughs> We could take twin spell and you can't twin spell fireball. God, it's such bullshit, isn't it? This is because I feel like I felt a bit guilty when I built this character. Right. I was building them as a pirate because I felt like I didn't really make use of the College of Creation stuff. But I'm glad we've gone over <laughs> some of the bullshit you can pull because I can imagine, as you've said, a barrel of dynamite. I think I would quite successfully argue that's an object. If, if, if you were saying it's a barrel full of sticks of dynamite, no, that's not. That's... But you could have, I mean, a, a really shitty deal could argue each grain of dynamite is an injury. But at that point, exactly. you're, getting da- you're getting to the sort of... But, you're, but that highlights of- the problem. Yeah. That highlights the problem. Yeah. When you're having you're, to talk semantics, yeah. you and your BM have a problem. I just Should said be- BM. Sorry. Yeah, I have so many problems with my bowel movements, but uh, you... <laughs> you have to be on the same page as your DM yeah, you for this ability to work. And... F- for you not to have a fight every session. To end up having a fight, having to look into the specifics of how an object works. I don't have the DM's guide on D&D Beyond. I might. If if you do, can you see how much a barrel of dynamite costs? Because I think we really (coughs) have to point out how much a barrel of dynamite costs. The next thing to discuss is well, we've talked about future. Would you multiclass this though? And would Um, you would you take the three levels of warlock for shenanigans? There are various multi-classes that I looked at. One of them that I looked at, obviously, was two levels of fighter. Always useful because then you get action surge. surge. You know, second wind is nice, but action surge is the real star of the show. Plus, you then get medium and heavy armor. You get a bunch of extra weapon proficiencies, things like that. So two levels of fighter can be useful. We've gone over how two levels of warlock can be useful. Uh, I've chosen to take one level in uh, rogue because that means I can then I get D D6 to... Oh, shit, that's the point. That's something I didn't think of. I think because I was doing this changeover at three in the morning, I don't get sneak attack on... Vicious Mockery. So if I'm using Vicious no, Mockery and I'm a ranged cat, there is absolutely no point in me having that one level. I should be using a crossbow because then I'd be getting the sneak attack bonus. You took crossbow expert, didn't you? I didn't. I was going to in one of the... Oh, uh, what did you yeah, take instead? I took... 
Warcaster again. Oh so yeah, Warcaster. Could, again, Warcaster again, so that I could cast vicious mockery as a response to things, but I shouldn't be doing that. So is is that what you would change about this build? Yeah, I can't find dynamite anywhere. Uh, I have so. just checked. You can. It's one stick of dynamite, but. I'm wondering if there's other things that you, you can get. Yeah. We've talked about a barrel yeah. of dynamite, but depends on how much how much you work out. Which it, again, that goes back to the mm. point of it slows games down. If every time you have to sit there and go, right, how much does a barrel cost? Does the barrel cost as a separate yeah. object? How much does this much dynamite cost? How much can you fit in a barrel? You know, if, oh, if you God, have to sit and awesome. yeah, if you have to sit and work all of that out every time, I would almost argue for simplicity. If a character wants to summon something, they have to look it up before Forehand. their turn, which really robs it of its spontaneity as an ability. So it's a really difficult ability to make any any sort of hard ruling yeah, about exactly. how to handle it. You have to be of the same mindset as your DM and willing to work with them on the fly about yeah, yeah. their decisions. Agreed. So, the other question I have then is, would you play this build? If I changed it so that it was using a crossbow, mm -hmm. honestly, I think I'd, I still need to tweak this build. I'm not done with it quite, but when we do upload the character sheets, I'll upload it as it was today when we were discussing this so that people mm -hmm. can see, oh, he's right, that doesn't work, or oh, no, if yeah, he yeah. had a crossbow, this would work, you know. So that people can then look at it and then if you want to then build it your own, you know, if you want to work on that and build it your own way, it's a start. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. If Cesare died... Oh, sorry, Frodo. If Cesare died, I think I would play something based on that, but I think I would need to do more work on whether or not to take that extra level of rogue, whether to... Whether to stick with college or creation? Yeah, because if it's my home game, I don't need to, to stick with the college, but... If I was to look at that in terms of would I want to play that, I don't think it's a finished build yet. I would be looking at whether it needs the feat, so whether it needs that fourth level of College of Creation, mm -hmm. whether it could do with those two levels of Warlock. One thing I was going to say before is I personally don't tend to build Warlocks because your patron affects so much of the story. Yeah, absolutely. It has a massive effect on the story. And again, unless you have a very cooperative DM, you know, your DM can later just go, your character is going down this road because your patron says your character mm. is going down this road. It affects a character's story so much that I don't tend mm. to look at patrons. Plus, I kind of feel like with the build that I've got, and especially with the armor of the Mariner, yeah. it would just be fjord from Critical Role. It, if, if they had a patron, it you would, would, be, yeah, it yeah, would yeah, basically just be fjord. That's fair, right? So I'm, would I'm, you, if in one in in one of your games, if your character, whatever the teleport spell in Strixhaven is, if somebody yeah, vortex yeah, somebody, warp, yeah, if somebody vortex warped you off a cliff. Okay, so I'm going to overthink this answer. Okay. That's what we're here for. You're playing, in the, the game that I'm running, yeah. you are playing a spellcaster. Yeah. And I'm asking you, would you take another spellcaster that's charisma-based, right? And this is specific to each table. But if Aaron died and I was with a druid and a fighter, would I then want to pick up another charismatic caster? No. I would probably pick an intelligence caster or something else. This is a one-shot character. Mm. That's what I think this is. Where if I get it wrong, it doesn't matter. If yeah. I say, can I summon a barrel of dynamite, it doesn't matter. 
even if it's a two shot, it doesn't matter. It's not going to be week in, week out, as someone up around the dynamite, or I've got a fishing net that we can trap a thing in, or an adamantine sword so that we can attack whatever. I don't think I would want to play this character permanently. That's a really interesting point about builds, is you can have a build that's good for a one-shot, and you can really have fun playing that character for the one-shot and just do it, being silly with it, but whether that character would get old after a while. Mm-hmm. Not in terms of ging, but so, you can have a character who is an incredibly powerful one-trick pony, but then, like you say, that pony. trick gets old after a couple of weeks. Well, the thing is, is that I realised at the beginning of this podcast, and I'm sure... I'm sure the listeners have realised this as well. Once you go, oh yeah, the joke is it's Taylor Swift. What else do you say? Hmm. Like, I took pyrotechnics because the joke is it's Taylor Swift. Yeah. Right? And at that point, the joke is old. I've explained the joke. And jokes aren't funny when you explain them. But the good thing about a bard, the abilities stick mostly. I mean, you get a a little bit of flexibility because Hmm. of Tasha's. But the good thing about bards is you just relearn your spell loadout. Bards get their spells. They can't choose every day. Do they? Yeah. All oh, right. Okay. That's why magical secrets is so important because you have to pick your magical secret. Oh, okay. So bards are similar to sorcerers in that regard. And my brain just died. What <laughs> other casters are there that learn their spells like that? Warlocks and and things. Mm. You know, you learn your spell. Tough tits. Yeah. That's your spell list. The more I think about it, the less I want to play this character. And and not because I have a problem with Taylor Swift or. A particular, an unwarranted amount of respect for her either. <laughs> it's a joke, and I'm really proud of myself for coming up with the joke, but I now realise I wish I hadn't made the joke. And if I played a campaign with this, I would really wish I didn't hadn't made that character. But for a one-shot... I, think, it, I it, think it's a good framing device to make a point on a podcast about how to build that class and that subclass and that race. Uh-huh. You could also not Taylor Swift specifically. You could have Barry Manilow. Well, you could you could just have a bard who is a simply red. Stop it. <laughs> you could have a character who's like a, a rock star. You know, like a, yeah. an '80s filthy Motley Crue style rock star. Yeah, get Steve Tyler up there or Joe Perry. Yeah. Exactly. They're yeah. from Aerosmith. <clears throat> Same point. Exactly. You, you could build Nicholas Six. Yeah, you could build a, a character who's like a, a hair metal style rock star, but D and D. And if you're not basing it on a certain person, and you're just you're basing it on a stereotype, you can have fun with that stereotype. And I think that... you can only have that fun for a one shot or a two shot, or maybe a small campaign where everyone's in on the joke. If everyone's in on the joke, and you're like, we're an entire party of bards, and we've made Aerosmith. You are having a bloody good time, even if it's for a longer campaign. Like, the joke mm. is going to be funny because all you do the entirety is Spinal Tap. Yeah. Th- that's funny. But for most people's game of D&D, I genuinely think the shifter's fine. The shifter, thumbs up. I like the shifter. Mm. There are other shifters I would choose over Swift Stride. But overall, I like its features. That's fine. But specifically... The College of Creation, to me, is I'm going to upset myself or my DM or both. And the answer to that is no, from me. (laughs) One thing that I was thinking, Swift Stride would be an interesting one for the monk that we were discussing last Uh, last week week. because you don't need to take mobility. Yeah, you don't need to take the mobile feet. Yeah, you don't need to take the the mobile feet. It doesn't doesn't replace it entirely, but a lot of the features that you would want, it does replace. Then you can look at something like uh, Sentinel or, uh, you know, something else obscene for the monk. Shall we roll a new character? Do you want to roll or shall I roll? You roll. Okay. You roll. This is my job now. Uh, Not quick build. 
I want randomize. While Steve's randomizing, one thing I did have a bit of a panic about when I looked back over the monk build was I thought I thought I was being clever with the longsword, and then I thought you don't use decks on the longsword. I had to go and look up the rules for monk weapons and it's like, yes, you can choose whether you use dex or strength. So I had like a momentary panic while I was doing this character yesterday where I was like, did I just get everything wrong last week? Oh, oh what have we got? We've got oh. a Kenku. Oh, oh. Kenku, nice. Kenku have changed. Okay, so... Then. Uh, the, the Kenku can now speak. I think. I didn't quite read the... the hmm? One thing that I thought would be fun to do with a Kenku, you have like a soundboard full of clips that you've recorded off like TV or the radio or something. <laughs> and your Kenku can only communicate by things on the soundboard. So your character has to prepare soundboard. has to yeah. prepare a soundboard and you can only communicate through sound clips. I'm really chuffed. Okay, what we got? A Kenku Blade Singing Wizard. I don't know anything about Blade Singing Wizards, so this is gonna be interesting to learn about. Yeah, this is an interesting one. Right, we are using... Let's discuss this quickly. Yeah. We've been going for a while, but let's discuss yeah. this quickly. Yeah, yeah. Do we want to use the Volos version mm. of Kenku, or do we want to use the Morden Kanan's Multiverse of Madness featuring Doctor Strange? Can you choose between the two? I what can. I, no, can you on D&D Beyond choose between the two? I don't know. Should we go with whichever one you've rolled? Because that, that seems... Be, should be the, yeah. the latest one. So if I go to Kenku, does it have... So it is the Mordenkainen presents Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Okay, so the Mordenkainen version. So do we want to use the stat increases from the Volos version? Or do we want to just go with the three scores wherever we want? I think go with them as listed because that was part of the challenge. So even if the stat bonuses it gives you aren't that useful for a wizard or a blade singer, yeah. we have to go with what we've rolled. So I that's think dex that's... plus two and wisdom plus one. Okay. Uh, I'm assuming blade singer is something to do with like swords and melee. So I would oh, imagine. Oh, do you not? Do you not? Have you not? That's what I mean. I, oh, I'm okay, going right. to look this up, but I have no idea about what the deal with the blade singer is. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to have, gonna have to look into fun. it. I'm going to have a lot of fun. The wisdom is not particularly useful. The nope. deck seems like it would be useful. I know we've chosen finesse characters the last two weeks, but it does seem like if we've got a, the deck, a bard, we use a bard it. is not a finesse character. Well, no, but I mean you have to use finesse weapons so you can use decks. So you, you, you're you getting your decks bonus rather than strength. But Scannon Short Holt used a strength weapon. Okay. Because his whole point was don't get into combat in the first place. He had yeah. a long sword; he never used it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool. A Kenku Blade Singer. That's going to be. Oh, it's randomly assigned me some scores as well. Thanks. I didn't ask for that. All the wrong ones. Uh, but I will move that around. We are allowed to change those. We're not allowed to change the racial bonuses. We are, uh, we're choosing our own stats with standard array. So, were there any other points left? To okay, we can, we'll can. tick this off and remove it afterwards. Would we play this build recovered? Randomise next week's build. We've just done. Mm -hmm. And um, we need to do an outro. Why, why don't we just have an awkward silence? We could finish on an awkward silence. I wonder if that picked up your stomach just then. Oh, I really think it did. <laughs> All right, okay. Well, we'll, we'll fade right. out on that. Okay, okay. <clears throat> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Build Bard Workshop with myself, Stephen, Simon, and Frodo the dog. All properties and settings belong to the relevant parties. Produced by Steve and Simon and edited by Simon. Music is Dancing at the Inn by Kevin MacLeod and is available at freepd.com. And remember, respect your elf before you wreck yourself. <laughs>